Hey everybody, this is Josh and Calvin, and this is a Let God Die podcast, stumbling over my words already. Uh, we're going to be talking to Chris Burnsworth today. If you don't know who Chris is, he is a poet who lives in Virginia. Um, I met him at a music festival called Cornerstone in 2012. Could tell that he just really had a heart for people and um, incredibly... I don't know, eccentric, charismatic dude. Um, I can't really put his personality into words. Yeah. I just kind of have to meet him. Chris has uh, not only been a poet that we that we enjoy, but has become a close friend of ours and a guy that I look up to in a lot of ways who uh, just has a lot of wisdom and has a lot of compassion for people and for helping them really see who they are um, and see their value and their importance. Chris is a guy that uh, I think that we've mentioned a couple times that we've driven across states to uh, surprise him at shows. Chris is just a really fun guy, um, loves Jesus a lot, loves people a lot, and we're stoked to bring this conversation to you. Uh, cool. Uh, if you know it, shout Michigan. Don't hurt anybody. <laughs> One, two, three. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Jesus! Make me an infinite supernova! I wanna be a light so bright that they can see for hundreds of thousands of millions of billions, trillions of miles so far! After you use those big scientific words that I don't know so well. Jesus, make me your light so they can see what you've done and still do for me. Jesus, make me your light so they can see how you changed me, how you saved me, how you saved me from hell in this life and eternity as well. Jesus, make me your light so they can see when I was deep down and get to sin. So deep and dark, man, I could not tell myself from the sin. You didn't just stand up there on high, all like, oh... Oh, well, hey, man. Woo. Looks rough down there. Good luck. I love you or something. Here, Proverbs 2. Good. T- go ahead. No, 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 none of that, Jesus. Made me a light so they could see how you came right down in there, wrapped your arms around me, pulled me right on out of there, made me whole and complete in you. I will be whatever size light you need me to be. I will be the supernova or a lighthouse or a big old searchlight. Man, I promise. I am doing my best. You need something smaller. I'll just, I'll just be a tap light or a pen light or one of those cool little race car keychain flashlights like my parents got me for Christmas. Just please, Jesus, make me a light. Just please, Jesus, make me a light. Just please, Jesus, make us your light. Let us shine. Let us shine. Let us shine. Yes. Hey yo, check this out. Got ourselves a phone call. What up? Make me an infinite supernova. <laughs> I wanna be a light so bright that they can see from a hundred thousand billion gajillion gajillion miles so far. They gotta be on big scientific words I don't know so well. <laughs> you guys reading the lyric sheet. 
No, no this is dude. all from our craniums. <laughs> Straight from the dome. I don't know. There you what, are. What part of the brain stores Chris Burnstorff lyrics? The hypothalamus. Was that it? <laughs> I just took a wild guess. Dude. What's up, brother? Doing good, man. I think this is my third Skype ever. I keep looking at myself. <laughs> yeah. Look at us. We're here, too. What up? So, Chris, tell us about yourself, man. I love Jesus. I'm not very good at it a lot. Uh, I'm a poet who tours in a minivan like a soccer mom, but different. Uh, I work in a movie theater, and I'm a substitute teacher, and I do all of those things with varying degrees of success and faithfulness. I like music and people and long walks on the beach and Mexican food and long walks on the beach, and it's a great way to stay in shape. Uh, Think of a soccer mom who um, doesn't have kids, um, (laughs) nor care about soccer, um, who's a poet, and you have Chris Bernstorff. He <laughs> sounds like a soccer mom. What what does poetry look like for you? Um, what what are you what are you doing with poetry? And uh, can you walk us through like how you got into it in the first place? Poetry uh, for me looks like spoken word. Um, when I first got into it, I thought I was going to get published and do that and teach or whatever. Spoken word looks like performing at concerts and not concerts too, but a lot of times with bands torn around and playing house shows or churches or venues or what have you and uh really about crowd involvement and participation so there's like singing people like say my poems with me i try to be really close to people like pretty much get them to stand within like a foot of me uh people crowd surf sometimes and i uh, like it to be raucous and energetic and full of heart and passion uh, I started writing in like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, eighth grade is like my first memory of it. I realized I could like like see things in my mind, but I couldn't uh, I couldn't draw them or paint them or any of that. But I could like feel them, like make them come out of my body um, on the paper. And uh, so I started writing in middle school, like around eighth grade, I guess. And um, I would just write in a journal to like, uh, I don't know, just help process things. And I felt like it was really fun and rewarding. I didn't really have any thoughts of doing anything with it or poeting or whatever. And I did that through high school. I admitted I liked English in like 10th grade. I thought I hated it for a really long time. And then I had a teacher tell me like, hey, Chris, like you're a, you're a writer, man. And uh, I believed her on like a really fundamental level. And uh, I went to college to be a museum curator and uh, I did an internship between high school and college over the summer at my local museum and that changed a lot for me because I realized that uh, I was a people person and when my mentor wasn't there it was just boring and miserable as all get out because I was just alone with stuff that didn't talk back I was afraid to listen to music because if I got too into it or rocked out or whatever I'd break like George Washington's pencil and we only have one of those and (laughs) then that'd be terrible so it was just really lonely and miserable um, I'm really thankful for the experience and I liked it, but I realized it's like not what I wanted to do. Um, so I went to college and I took an intro to creative writing class just for kicks, like needed the credit. And um, I went into intro to creative writing with this weird, like innate understanding of exactly what it was going to be, exactly how hard it was going to be. And like I had no experience in a workshop ever. So like there's no reason that should have happened. I just like Holy Spirit one day I was like, oh, I totally understand what this will be. And which makes no sense. And only looking back do I realize that. But I signed up for it and um, 
went in that class, I just had this thought, like, after class as we were leaving, this, like, table appeared in my mind, and uh, everything on it just cleared, and there was just a sentence, like, I have to be a poet, and there wasn't confusion or chaos or fear or worry, it was just, I have to be a poet, super calm, super final, and uh, I know that was the Holy Spirit, because it was so just peaceful and perfect, and I was like, okay, uh, I don't know what poets do. And so I started trying to get published or read my work places or do things that I saw my teacher doing. I kind of like fell into spoken word um, just through a music site, uh, Indie Vision Music, which coming back 2016, stoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that like every day because I love music and I want to be involved in it. And uh, they talked about Bradley Hathaway. And I had listened to him, not liked it. But then like two weeks later, I was like, man, I really want to give that guy a second chance. Like I kind of want more of that. And I watched a YouTube video for Manly Man, and that took me by the throat like nothing I'd ever experienced. It was so arresting that I like had to watch, and uh, that changed everything. Then I was like in love with spoken word through time, maybe like a year or two years past me being a poet and like liking spoken word. And then they sort of just merged because God was good. I, st- I mean, always good, but I started getting opportunities to read my workplaces. And I was like, man, my poems have so much voice. But I, uh, I was driving back from Arlington, and I was like, man, I, maybe I should just memorize them. Because I was like, standing still with a paper, holding a microphone, reading, just like wasn't doing it. And uh, I was like, man, I'm the, the girl I was dating at the time. I was like, man, I think I'm going to memorize my poems like Bradley. And uh, in between the poet Holy Spirit experience and like the start of college, I just had this like unbelievable desire to like do something important I remember like crying in front of my advisor and just being like dude I just want to change the world and there's no major for that I don't know what I want to do (laughs) and then Jesus like gave me this and I realized like whoa man like I have this like platform I I should use it for something and the Lord had really been growing my faith in that time and bringing me to take it more seriously and it all kind of just converged to like I'd read a lot about the music scene and I think Christians are still very much into that, but especially at the time, Christian music and Christian heavy music was very geared towards, like, if you've been Jesus Christ and you're in a band, you should be preaching the gospel at every show because you have this opportunity to impact people and make a difference and change people or let the Holy Spirit change people through you. And then wanting to change the world, like this innate Holy Spirit desire, and then wanting to be a poet and then trying out spoken word and all kind of just culminated and then it just worked like crazy. And I'd want to be in a band since I was 17, but I don't play guitar. I'm not good at music. And uh, it all just kind of worked together. And God is like, yo, this is this is your band. Like, you have a chance to do this. And then he kept building it and building it. And it was doing well. And I was getting more opportunities. And then a couple other things happened. And now we're here. <laughs> about, <laughs> about that. <laughs> Anytime, like, uh, someone asks me, like, if I'm a poet, I'm just kind of like, man, I don't know. I've always hated poetry. Like in a lot of ways, uh, it, it was similar for me. Like when I heard Brad, Bradley Hathaway, I saw him at a show back in, I want to say like 2003 with me without you and blindside. Um, and, uh, I'd never heard of the guy and he was just like doing his thing in between sets and, uh, yeah. it was hysterical and like no one knew what to think of it at all. But, uh, I was just like, man, up until this point, like the only thing I knew of poetry was either, um, you know, like rhyming junk on paper like dr seuss was about as close as i'd get to it um or kind of like slam poetry but like bradley was the first time that i was just like all right like spoken word poetry can coexist like in the music scene and it's kind of like a cool marriage of like 
All right, almost kind of like a break from the music and then like, bam, you know, spoken word and then back to the music type thing. Just kind of flowed really well. So it's, it's kind of a, an interesting genre in a lot of ways. I hear that from a lot of people who like do spoken word in the music scene that they don't really like poetry per se, but then they like, they love passion, they love feeling. And yeah, like there's like page poetry and then slam poetry. And then there's like poets in the music scene it's like three different groups and yeah. they like overlap kind of in different ways. Like I like went to school for poetry. So I love page poetry and I like love poetry before I love spoken word, but then like I love both. And there's not always like mutual respect and love from the three groups, but they do kind of overlap. And I think that's cool. And then the fact that it's accepted in the music community is super cool because I love music and it's cool to be able to like share what I do, even though it's not exactly the same, but it's like spiritually related because it's passionate and artistic or whatever. I find it kind of interesting the fact that you're a poet inside the heavy, I guess you'd say like the heavy, like hardcore scene. Explain kind of like how that happened. Yeah. So I was a history major and they were really big about like understanding how our understanding of history has changed over time. So like studying other historians basically and what they said about history and there are certain events and then I was a poetry major and my poetry teacher was really big on understanding like who came before you and how you fit in with that. Um, so yeah, Bradley was my introduction. And so I read everything I could about Bradley, like Wikipedia, like Facebook, whatever, like trying to understand, know who he was, watch his videos. And then um, one, like my, probably my third spoken word I ever saw was Levi the Poet. And so I read a ton about him and like Bradley found acceptance in the hardcore scene. And then Levi kind of came after him and Levi found acceptance in the hardcore scene. Like Levi started out touring within the midst of lions and um, ended up doing all sorts of metal stuff. And he doesn't as much anymore, kind of like Bradley doesn't as much anymore, but they both really like started in heavy music or I mean, me without you is kind of like alternative, but Bradley's first three tours were at the chariot as far as I know. Um, and they toured a Showbread and like the showdown and as cities burn and all these bands. And so I was like, man, and that's, and again, like what the Holy Spirit was orchestrating in my life. I, I liked heavy music when I was in high school a little bit, like it, under oath was pretty much all I knew. And then I'd heard of the Devil Wears Prada. And then I like really got into the music scene when I got into college. And by the time I started doing spoken word, I was like pretty into it. And I've been going to shows and kind of understanding how local music works some. Uh, and I was just like, man, I kind of like heavy music. And if they like Bradley and Levi and they, those guys found acceptance in this scene, maybe I will too. Um, so my first thing was a literary conference. My second thing was with two acoustic bands at a coffee house. And then my third and fourth shows were with melodic hardcore and hardcore. And that at the time when I started going, I only really liked heavy music that had clean singing too. But then that quickly grew into like, I just like heavy music. And then, I mean, anyone who listens to heavy music knows like the more you listen, the more downhill it goes until yeah. you just listen to like insane stuff. Yeah. Um, Yep. <laughs> That's how I was in high school. It was like, it didn't even matter if it was good. It was like the heavier, the better. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I am thankful that trend died a little bit. But for the time when I was listening to heavy music, it was just like, who plays in the lowest tuning? Are you in G? Yo, we're in like 7Z, man. Like, dogs <laughs> drip. People can't. Drop Everyone's H sharp. So tough. Like,. I think music has really turned this way, which is praise Jesus, awesome. But like when I was first listening to music, people were very much about like, oh, I listen to metal or I listen to this or that. It's not screamo, you know, like very much about their genre. But then 
I think poetry finds a home in heavy music because heavy music is about like passion and expression, and then poetry is the same way. Um, and I like feel like I'm a child of the heavy music and pop punk scenes, so I was all about like energy and crowd participation and being aggressive and tough or whatever. And that's like a big thing in the heavy music scene. And then more and more people are just realizing like, hey, if it's passionate and it has feeling, then it's great. So now like the story so far towards the stick to your guns or expire or whatever, like really heavy bands that wouldn't make sense with pop punk, excuse me, but it, but it does cause they all have feeling and they're all serious about their art. And I don't know now, now poetry, like I feel like fits pretty well with everything just cause like if you like things with feelings, well I have feelings and you have feelings and we just have feelings together. You have a gift just for like breaking down walls with people. I've seen that with uh, a few musicians, you know, just as far as, like inviting people into what you're doing and people feeling like a part of what's happening um, where it's not like I just watched a performance, but more so like I experienced this, you know? Yeah, that's Jesus. So Chris, uh, can you walk us through your story of uh, your walk with Christ? So I was raised in the church. I always believed in God. Yeah, I've been super unfaithful, but I always believed in God's been really good it was super cool. So I was running, or well, <laughs> I was attempting to run the other day. I did this thing where I like, run a little bit, and then I walk a lot, and I run some more, some real shape. But um, I was walking or attempting to run or something. <laughs> I think I was running, and I, um, it was tight. The Holy Spirit was like, "Hey, man, did you realize this thing that I did when you were six or seven was me?" And I was like, "Whoa, what do you mean?" And um, when I was like six or seven, man, I was standing at the bottom of my driveway. In Lynchburg, Virginia, I can see it. It was by the mailbox. And all of a sudden, I was like, man, some of my friends take the Lord's name in vain. And I, I take the Lord's name in vain. And I don't think I should do that anymore. And like, I was like freaking six or seven. You know, there is no like, my parents didn't talk to me. I didn't, like, I didn't read the Bible. I was like six or seven, you know. And I, I, I didn't do any of that. It was just like the Holy Spirit was like, hey, man, you shouldn't do that anymore. And then just the other day, God was like, yeah, that was me. And I was like, oh, crap dude like it's like god's had his hand on my life like the whole time which is crazy i mean i think he has for everyone like he's knocking you know all the time and then i went into high school and and just trying to walk with jesus and do good things um there's a lot of stuff that wasn't always good in my life um but like trying to seek jesus like praying to be his light things like that um and i struggled with lust and whatever then um but those were some of my first times to really like it became more conscious like hey jesus loves me is inside of me and i need to be his light and try to show him to other people i started college uh jesus freak hideout posted about come and live a bunch and one day they said that come and live was like changing the face of music and i was like whoa dude that's something i've never checked this out i've seen them post about him a couple times i guess i'll look and uh, i checked out come and live and I watched their videos, uh, I watched an Aaron Gillespie video and some other stuff. Um, and they challenged everything for me. And so I saw Come and Live, praying over people, passionately sharing the gospel without like, you know, beating someone in the face of the Bible, but just like, hey, like this God is real and he loves you and I, he loves me and has changed me and I want this love for you. And I saw that and I saw them pray over people and they got healed. And them just like really actively like walking with Jesus, not just like believing and trying to be a good person, but like straight up like walking with the Lord and listening to him. And I was like, man, I believe in God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Bible. And I have literally done none of this ever. 
Um, and like I had talked to my friend about Jesus, like Holy Spirit used me to testify to my friend when I was in co- in high school once, but like none of it was active day to day. Like I need to be walking with Jesus. I need to do more, know more, say more, be more, and be light actively. And then that sent me on this just crazy roller coaster <laughs> where like life, like I got so weird and stuff um, because all of a sudden I was like actively like seeking my faith. And I was really terrible at it, still am in a lot of ways. Um, but I like started seeking Jesus and I started seeing fruit from that. Um, and my roommate in college was this really awesome guy. Um, we had a lot of differences and we had a lot of struggles together. But it was good because the Lord grew us both through them. And he was one of my first, he was like the first person that made me realize like Jesus could come tomorrow. And that like everything in the Bible like straight up really is true. And uh, not living in a fear of that, but like living in the reality like that is the kingdom. And um, a lot of Christian music and musicians continue to influence me uh, and just push me more in my faith and wanting to know more and do more. And then like I, God just got me really solid in that. And he had pushed me like in high school, my youth group had kind of fallen apart because we all got busy. So when I went to college, for whatever reason, like Holy Spirit in me, Like, my only desire was to, like, be involved with campus ministry. Like, I thought being in the youth group would be so sweet. And uh, because I missed that from middle school. And then I got involved with campus ministry and this thing called Search. And I had all these musicians, like, speaking into my life and pouring into my life just through, like, reading blogs on the Internet, like, watching, like, listening to music, watching videos. And everything kept coming back to, like, if if I believe what I say I believe. And, like, over and over and over, that would push me to like act in ways that were different than my flesh, even though I did a lot of flesh living, (laughs) but like it, it was continually pushing me to like, want to know Jesus more, want to be better, more want to hear his voice. And, and then it, yeah, it just kept going and God kept putting people in my life. Even now, like he keeps being like, okay, man, cool. You're here. But like, you still have this struggle or you still don't love me enough in this area. You still haven't given this to me or like, Hey, I have something new I want to teach you. And he's so like, put tons of people in my life that speak into that, like surround me with verses from that. Even when I'm like actively not reading the Bible, God's still like, like verses will just like pop up in my news feed or like someone will say something to me and God's like, Hey, this is like what I have for you now. And so it all really just started like being in college, being confronted by come and live and being forced to say, I believe this or I don't. And I was like, I do. So like, let's get moving. Well, the Holy spirit pushed me to that. But yeah. So, like, talking about the whole uh, concept of, like, let God die, and, um, I mean, I feel like all of our stories basically are the journey of seeing God in one way, and then Him completely, like, redefining who He is to us. So, like, our former view of Him dying, in a sense. Um, What's kind of been, like, a big thing that you've overcome, or what comes to mind to you as, like, a big misunderstanding when you think about all that? Um, our friend Kevin Shalareth, he actually like straight up like cataclysmically ruined my life for three days. Like I, I don't know if I've ever had anything like this happen, but I like straight up went into this like insane, just like black hole spiral where I was like, I don't think anything I do matters. Like I think what I'm doing is stupid. I don't even know if God like really loves me or if I'm gonna go to heaven or not because holy F Kevin said these things and I think he's right. And I like, like lost my mind for like three days. And I mean, I lost my mind. I didn't lose my faith. 
I just like lost everything. And suddenly everything that I had been standing on in terms of who I thought God was, wasn't there anymore. And it was friggin' terrifying and unbelievable. And so curious after, like, what he said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the suspense. So, so, right? It's killing me. Sorry. I apologize. So we've got, <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got some friends, right? And Kevin and I have some friends and they were, they, they have this song and I, the Holy Spirit in me, I was like, man, I don't feel like this song is exactly like scripturally sound. And I was riding with Kevin one day when we were coming back from a show and it randomly just came up and he was like, yeah, man, like I talked to them about this song and like, it's not what scripture says. Like it's a good sentiment and it's like a, it's like an understandable human want in this song, but it's not what scripture says. And for anybody that knows Kevin, Kevin, Kevin's not a jerk in any way, but a lot of times what he's been teaching me is like, Hey man, some of my stuff in the Bible is like a really hard teaching, you know, like, it's What's not that? like the ideal, you know, yeah. and that's, that's kind of like in large part, like even the heartbeat behind let God die in a ways that like, uh, I realized for myself several years back that a lot of my views of God were idealistic in the sense that like, you know, you, you hear people say like, God is far greater than you could possibly comprehend, you know? Um, so I think in terms of, okay, what's the, what, what would be like the best God that I can comprehend, you know? And then just like, oh, he's even better than that. But the fact that a lot of aspects are of who God is are very contrary to our fleshly, you know, human desires. Like, I don't believe the Bible ever contradicts, but like there's times where I look at Jesus and I'm like, what the F, man? Like your word says this and it's your word and it's perfect, but holy crap, I do not understand it. And um, and it's cool because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is faithful to give wisdom to those that ask. So like we can be like, hey, Jesus, this scripture literally does not make sense either like in the literal sense because it, it's just confusing or be like this is contrary to your character as i understand it and and that's what happened to me we were talking and kevin was ultimately like as christians we say god is good but what we mean by god is good is that god would do things that we would do like god is our conception of good and really he was like yo god is good because god is good so really good is what god does and i was like Oh, and then we got into like predestination versus free will. And it's hard, but Christ straight up says like these people who, who aren't listening to me, they don't know me because they're not my sheep. Like they don't know my voice because they're not mine. And that, oh my gosh, that's so brutal. Like he's straight up like, yo, these people aren't mine. And, and like that rips at everything that I've ever thought about God. I thought God wanted everybody and he does. Jesus, like scripture says that Jesus died for the whole world. And it also says that if it is God's will, that all men would be saved. Yeah. So like right. he does, but then there are these really tough verses that are like, dude, these people don't know me because they're not mine. And I went into this spiral and then I was like, well, God, what the F I'm on tour telling people about you thinking that you're going to save them. But, but I mean, what good is it? Like if you're just going to save, you're going to save. Why am I here? Like, why am I doing this? Why do I bother talking about Jesus? Because you're just going to do what you're going to do. And, and it was crazy. And like all these foundations was, I was like, oh, well, God's a good God, you know? So like, and this is a radical example. I don't actually think God would do this, but like the fact is God is good. So whatever God does is good. So if God straight up, you know, lit my family on fire, like that would be good because God did it. I don't think God's going to do that, but like, it was terrifying to think that God's goodness might be outside of my definition of goodness. And in reality, like the cross already shows us that because Jesus, Jesus died for a bunch of people that hated him. And in my mind, I would be justified to walk away from that situation. 
but for Christ, he obviously was like, no way, I'm going to die for these people anyway. And and so like just this idea that like God is, it was another another removal of like my control that like God was somehow outside of my control. Even goodness was outside of my control or my my definition. And so it like ripped my foundation away. But then praise Jesus, um, the poem on my album, the Sidewalk Hymns, not not a shameful plug, but <laughs> Psalm forty six ten, like that poem on there is a hundred percent about that time where like everything was gone and I literally just had nothing but like, all right, God. I mean, you are who you say you are, so, I, like, help me. And then, like, he rebuilt my foundation, and I got a more firm and sturdy understanding of not trusting in my idea of good, but just trusting in this God who is good. And, and like, knowing that he is love and he has me, even though love and good might not be what I thought they were anymore. And then he's had a couple of those, like, like this past year was a big, like, just foundation ripping year where he like tore out a lot of stuff that I had built my house on that I thought was good, but wasn't actually him. And that hurt and it was embarrassing and it led me to all sorts of conclusions that surprised me. But like those things are good. It's like uh, Proverbs three, five, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he'll make straight your path. Like that's like a verse my grandma instilled in me, even as a child to this day is still like, raining and running through my mind like i love the way you worded that like god as you know it that verse is above our sink and i literally read it like 20 times a day like i read it over and over and i I think what's funny is like we say that and for me it was like oh cool you know i don't know what i'm gonna major in but god knows but in reality it was like yo i literally don't know anything like and one of the new testament letters paul writes like you know when i was among you i knew nothing but christ and christ crucified and like, and I was reading some the other day, someone showed me that like guidance and wisdom, like guidance from the Lord comes not necessarily all the time from just like a specific answer, but rather just resting in the presence of the Lord, like seeking intimacy with the Father. And then you know what to do and where things come from. And yeah, so it's like, I don't know, he's been teaching me like the, the depths of scripture. Like we can say something to understand what it means, but then knowing how deep it actually runs I, um, I talked about it a couple podcasts ago, and I'm sure I've talked to you about it before, about um, where the, the title for my first album comes from, like the whole, I hate who I am, I'm a bridge, but I love who you are, you're a bridge. Um, and that came from a time that I was at work, and uh, I just had this vivid, vivid image of be, me being a bridge, being burnt down by people. Um, and I was really feeling like, I was just a bridge, you know, between people's lives, uh, connecting them and then just like not being a part of the community that was being created. Um, I was, I was, I mean, I think about that a lot. I was thinking about that just, uh, just yesterday about how at the time that I I saw it as like this spiritual attack, um, not to get hokey, but like, I was kind of just like, dude, like the devil's attacking me with this like distorted view of myself, you know? And then, uh, really realizing later that like it was around that time period that I was praying that God would like show me who I am, you know? Um, and it was like, I totally defined that as bad, you know, I was just like this thing, you know, like it's completely like tearing at my identity and tearing at who I am, you know, it it wasn't what I wanted to see, you know, but I think it was like for one God showing me that I didn't value who he created me to be. Um, but for two, Mm -hmm. um, even just like showing me that like, yeah, this thing that I'm showing you that you are considering bad and you think is not from me, like is from me. 
the the passage that talks about like you know um if your son asks you for you know a loaf of bread will you give him a rock you know one of our pastors specified that like that passage does not say a good father gives the son what he asks for you know it says that a good father knows how to give good gifts um you know like even us being in our sin like how much more would the heavenly father know to give good gifts to his children you know um and just that yeah like we ask for what we think is quote-unquote good but very 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 often god knows that that thing is not good he doesn't usually give us you know like what we ask for what we think we need you know like he gives us what he knows that we actually do need and sometimes those are things that suck you know And (laughs) and those are things that like really open up like our eyes to see the the reality of who we truly are, you know, instead of seeing what we want to see. Maybe there's nothing that comes to mind specifically, but have there ever been times that you've thought of like a situation or um, even something that you've been going through as like this terrible thing and then realizing, I don't know, maybe God was even orchestrating it and bringing it into your life as like a gift to grow you? Yeah. I hail Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, so good. This is great because I, uh, it's something I'm going through right now, and um, uh, and, and I got yeah thinking about. It, I have two examples already. Um, one and like, yeah, one God is like the biggest cock block in the world. And, like, <laughs> like, not not even that I was like seeking sex, but over the last couple years of my life, um, there's been so many girls that I've like had thoughts about or like been talking to or like wanted to be in a relationship for, or I've made these lists where I'm like, yo God, um, this girl is so good at this, that, and the other thing, she loves everything that I love. She's so pretty. Uh, she's really nice. We get along really well. I'm sure. Or even like, Hey God, um, because I don't know, I I'm a monster and I haven't had a chance to listen to these podcasts yet, but Andrew always talks about the fact that like when he left, we are Leo, I was so stupid because like it's stupid in the world's eyes because here he is doing this massive ministry with this massive reach, this really good Christian thing. But then the Lord is like, Hey man, you're gonna be so much more fruitful if you leave. And that look, that doesn't look right. And like I've, I've had girls talk to me or I've talked to girls who like love Jesus. Like some of the most like stalwart people in their faith that I know. And, and God's like, no, just no. And he's he's really faithful, but it's like some days, sometimes I really push it. I'll be like, God, I don't know. Are you sure? Like, she's got this and that, and like, we'll keep going. And he's just so he's so patient and so gentle and so loving. But like over and over, he's just like, No, man, no, this is not for you. He just like continues to like deny these things. And then like a lot of times afterwards, when my head is straight, I see like, Oh my gosh, like this girl didn't love Jesus, or Oh my gosh, like she has all these characteristics that are terrible. Like we would have been terrible for each other, and. It's, it's him being like, hey, man, I know that you have those desires in you to have a wife or to love a girl or whatever. Like, I put those things in you, but, like, this is not going to be good for you, even though it looks good. And even, like, so, like, two years ago, um, not a girl thing. Two years ago, I applied for this festival, and, I like, I had, a, even then, like, I, Jesus is King. I had a pretty good resume. Like, I was like, yo, like, I think I should be on this. But the Lord straight up was like, no. Like, don't do this. This is not for you this year. And I was like, I don't know, Jesus. I think I'm going to apply. And, <laughs> and, and so I just did it anyway because I'm really smart, right? And uh, super stupid. And I repented that disobedience because, like, I applied and I didn't get in because it wasn't God's will. 
and then this year got I was feeling like all right this is the time like and I felt right like pretty right about it like I was like okay this year like I'm gonna do these things and, and I applied and I'm in and I'm confirmed like I got the contract today and, and even before that happened two people who helped with it approached me about it and, and, and it was totally God because it wasn't like Chris Bernstorff is suddenly more successful or suddenly more famous or suddenly bigger like maybe those things are true but like my resume was good enough for it years ago but like the Lord is like no like this is not for you and then this year when people approached me about it it was God being like dude I had this the whole time like you just need to trust me like my my time is good and then like I've had the devil attack me a bunch like this year I was like well I really think God wants me and, and you know if I don't get in I'll be so mad and Jesus is like, no, rebuke all that. Like, that's not me either. Like, if I want you there, you'll be there. And that's that. And I like I was thinking about it when you're talking, Josh, like, like Jesus teaches us to pray, like, thy will be done. And like when he's in the garden, like he says, like, please let this pass me by, but it but thy will be done. And I, I think that's because like God is good, so God's will is good, and like whatever he wants for us is what's good and what's best. We have such a, like, God is everything. Like, he's outside of time and space. He made everything. He knows the plan. And we just have this, like, one really, like, flat view of, like, what is happening. So, like, God always knows what's good and what's best for us. Because what's best for us is what's best for God because God's good. And so, like, we just can't see everything. But, like, he's outside of all that, sees everything. And then I think that one of the biggest things is just, like, learning to surrender and trust and be like, hey, dude, this does not make sense. It even like hurts me or I'm angry or upset about it, but like you're good and I trust that and affirm that. Pen of my sins, here you go, God, and just have your way. And then like it always works out. Even I think if you have to die and wait for eternity and then God's like, hey man, see, like this was best and now you're with me. I don't know. I think that's true though. I'm almost hesitant to call God good um, just because like, if we're going to call God good, you know, like our definition of good needs to be challenged the crap out of, you know, <laughs> um, sure. honestly, we're I, I, like not even a way of like good doesn't even cut it, you know, because he's so much better. But just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think ice cream is good um, <laughs> if I have lactate on hand. Um, I think pleasant things are good, you know, but yeah. I don't think the classic argument of like would a good god allow a b and c you know like would a good god do this and that where it's like i know just just that word good is just so convoluted i mean in just like human understandings you know it just like pales in comparison to the fullness of like who god is and the fact that he sees all he knows all and that he's not just in a spot of like well, screw y'all. I'm going to let this stuff happen to you. You know, that his desire is that all are saved and for the good of, of us ultimately. Um, but the good of us ultimately means even like withholding certain things at certain times because of whatever reasons, you know, maybe we couldn't handle it at the time or it just wasn't in God's timing, you know, like he is, he is the true definition of good. Um, but we just don't have that same definition. Yeah. And Let God Die did a video. It's cool. I was actually, I was talking to my parents. I think about this one. Yeah. Um, on the way here. Um, but they, uh, about, about like the sovereignty of God. 
and like is is God in control or is he sovereign and uh, that one was so good for me um, and like you introducing that concept to me like you'll you'll know that God is good if you're willing to trust that he is sovereign because then when God is sovereign like because it's hard to be like yeah why does why is a good God allow the Holocaust you know like what yeah. the heck that's that's the worst but then when you know that God is sovereign and that he sees all knows all and is perfect and is love like he claims like when you know he's sovereign and he's love then I, or at least for me like i'm willing to bow and be like all right dude like i trust you see all this and you have it even though but it literally sucks the worst where i'm at and, and it, it but like when i can be like hey man uh, propaganda has a line where he's like i'm so comfortable with sovereignty and like if you're if you're comfortable with sovereignty, like God being who He is, then then you can trust. Hey, this is this is good. Or like, or confusing stuff like that, like the Holocaust, or you know, like these girls in my town, like both their parents died of cancer within like six, like eight months, I think, of each other, and they're both in high school. Like that's just f, you know. But but Romans eight twenty eight says God works all things, and that's all things, like even school shootings and ki- like people being orphaned. For the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. If you, if you trust that God is who he is, then then all that stuff can come to good because God is who he says he is. And that's a tough thing in and of itself, but I think I think that's where it comes from, at least in part. I listened to a Matt Chandler sermon on fear and anxiety, and he, he says at one point, listen, if you don't think that God has your best in mind, that's okay, but you need to tell him so that the Holy Spirit can come in and work on your heart. And so I had to like sit in my room, Chris Bernstorff, 2015, Christian poet. Everyone thinks he's so cool. And I had to be like, God, I don't, I don't believe it, man. Like, I don't believe that you're good. I don't believe that you have my best in mind. And then like when I said that, that oh, one of my sins, man, something in me just broke. And my like, so now where I can say like, hey, you're good, Jesus. And like, I can mean that more than I've ever meant it in my life. A conversation that I had with Kevin Schlereth, he keeps coming into this whole <laughs> thing. Um really stood out to me um talking about like the whole goodness of god thing um he brought up like uh in luke 18 says a ruler questioned him talking about jesus saying good teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except god alone um and then in john 5 also uh jesus answered and was saying to them talking to a crowd of people uh, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. The catalyst, like to make a thing good, is if God is in it. You know, if it's God orchestrating it. You know, and that, uh, you know, like we even want to like do good things in our lives, um, make a good impact in the world. You know, where. I mean, sure as heck, man, if we see needs, you know, and we can meet them. And uh, that's something God places on our hearts. Like, do that junk, you know. Um, When Jesus talks about, like, loving God and loving others, you know, if we're going to justify that and just be like, well, I'm not called to to that, you know. Um, That's where we can get in in trouble. Um, There are times that I think it's very obvious that uh, God has us in places to meet a need, but we can kind of talk ourselves out of it. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, nonetheless, though, just that the, the true things in life where God's going to uh, grow a lot of fruit and do a huge work and the things that please him, you know, are the things that he is in. Um, and considering that Jesus himself, you know, recognized that everything that is good 
is because the Father has defined it as good and is in and through it and orchestrating it, you know. There's a band called Exiting in the Fall, and my friend um, was always, the, or at least, I mean, I saw them play once, and then we stayed in touch. But when he did it, and I'm assuming the formula is kind of the same every night, but he would offer the gospel and then sing this, like, they were a metalcore band, so they'd play, he would offer the gospel, they would play this really beautiful, heartfelt song about, like, waiting on the Lord and, like, trying to walk with Him and, like, the struggles that come with it and uh, or something like that. It's been a minute, but that's what I remember. And then they would finish their set. Um, but he talked to me about, he, um, he was at a show one time and uh, the Holy Spirit was like, dude, don't talk about me. And and if I heard that, I'd be like, yo, I must have, like, been tuned into the wrong channel. Sorry, God, missed what you said. Of course I'm going to talk about you. You know, like, like there's this pressure to, like, do the quote-unquote good Christian thing. But then after the set, he didn't talk about God. He was obedient. And, and after the set, this kid came up and was like, yo, man, I've seen a lot of Christian bands, like, this week. And if you had talked about Jesus, I would not have listened to you. But you didn't, and I listened to every word in that song, and I want to talk. And they proceeded to have this crazy good conversation um, yeah, close to come. I think what's wild is a lot of times too, like what God does is not necessarily the quote unquote good Christian thing that we would expect. I mean, all of, so much of Christ in the Bible is God turning our expectations on their head and, and Jesus, like Jesus is the cornerstone that the builders refused, you know, like all these things that we don't expect, like the Jews expected a general and they got a dude born in the backwoods. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like born in the backwoods in a barn. Like you got a teen mom who isn't married yet. He's got a kid inside of her. So like all this stuff that just like should be good. But then, but then is because God chose to do it that way. And I think that is what's tough, but then also like forces us to lean more on the sovereignty of God is when God asks us to do things that are just like totally outside of what we thought Christians were allowed to do or should do or what would be the good thing to do. And then that sometimes that's where God is. Or even just calling us to not what we expected. I went to college to be a museum curator and popped out like this. So <laughs> like I'm I'm the kid who's like scared to talk. Like I I like physically shook the first time I read a poem in front of my class. Yeah. Like I was awkward. I was not, I, I was really shy in sc like school up into like the end of high school. And then like, that's who Jesus was like, yeah, I'm going to pick the coward who can't talk, who didn't admit he liked English till 10th grade to be in the music scene and do this thing. <laughs> like, you know, he, he picks things that don't always make sense, but those are good because he is in them. Like you said, like him, him being in things, that's such a good word is what makes him good because he's good. Yeah, and we, we forget, man, I mean, so frequently, I feel like on a daily basis, just that, you know, this Christian walk isn't this system of beliefs that we just subscribe to where, you know, we can break it down into like, all right, follow this straight line. You know, sometimes God does, you know, like, he, like he's never going to lead, lead us to sin, you know, but, right, right. but just that um, he is active and he calls us to do certain things some of the time, you know, that, like you said, unexpected stuff. There's this Pedro the Lion song. Like, it's a line that I think of all the time where he says, like, uh, you were too busy steering the conversation toward the Lord to hear the voice of the Spirit begging you to shut the F up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't believe that God ever tells us to shut the F up. Um, you know, <laughs> like, there have been a lot of times that 
you know, like I felt deep within me and it wasn't just me being like, well, I'm scared to say, you know, the truth and I'm just going to back down, you know, like I, I very clearly, like I wanted to pray for a friend and I felt everything in, within me, God just saying like, do not pray for them right now. You know, yeah. um, you, you think that's what they need right now, but they're not going to be receptive to that right now. Um, just be there, like, listen, don't even say anything, you know, um, where just balancing like that sense, like that sense of, I guess you could say like urgency as far as t making the most of every opportunity and not just feeling like, all right, I have all the time in the world, you know, um, taking advantage of opportunities, but sometimes opportunities look a lot different than we may have imagined them. Um, and that ultimately we're called to obedience and sometimes obedience looks like God just saying, listen, or don't react in the way that you think in your, you know, kind of Christian bubble worldview that you want yeah. me to react, you know, just be there in the moment, you know? And I, I think like the default is usually to, you know, like want to pray for each other, you know? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I have had circumstances where that has happened. And like later on down the line, like it's kind of led to uh, more conversations along the same lines with those people that, um, you know, just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, like this conversation wouldn't be possible right now had you pushed prayer on them. Yeah, because he knows what people need and we don't always. And I, yeah, I think what is dangerous and what God has, the Holy Spirit has been showing me yeah, kind of my sins. I, it like becomes the Christian cookie cutter experience rather than like the Holy Spirit being active inside of you, God speaking into every situation individually and circumstantially. And yeah, like I don't ever want to use that, and I definitely have as like a license to be a coward. Yeah. But then on the other hand, the Holy Spirit's doing different things all the time. And uh, yeah, Levi the Poet's got that great line. Um, it's like sometimes people don't want the answers; they just want someone to sit and cry with them. Yeah. And, and Scripture says to mourn those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And like. Yeah, there's there's a time and a place for everything, and the Spirit knows what it is. I mean, that in itself is a cliche thing, but I find myself a lot coming back to that, just like listen to the Holy Spirit, and like whatever the Holy Spirit says is the right thing, and just do that. And so like there's a lot of things where it looks like that's what you should do, but then and a lot of times it looks the way you expect it, but then a lot of times it doesn't. For me, I've used it as a, as a license to not, because I'm a coward, but even realizing like for a while I really wanted to pray for people to like to have healing, but I wasn't, I wasn't praying because the Holy Spirit was like, please pray for that person or or because like I was praying at the Father's heart of love. I was just praying because like that was what Christians were supposed to do or because like I secretly just really wanted to see God do it because I either like was doubtful or thought it would be cool but, or most of the time, I think all the time, I was just doubtful. And and like, so like those are instances of like doing the Christian thing, quote unquote, but like not actually doing what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Yeah. And, I, and I so I don't think those things are good either, you know. Yeah, I've experienced it both ways on the other side, you know, not being obedient, just like kicking myself after the fact where like, man, why did I say that? You know, um, where I think we're really good at grabbing on to and gravitating towards like um, what to say in certain situations, you know, like, um, I, I don't know. I see a lot of articles tossed around on Facebook and stuff about like what to do when people are hurting type thing where. I know sometimes it's just like encourage them with this passage or whatever. Look at like when I was going through the divorce and everything. And um, okay. I had 
it was it was kind of a wild thing um i don't hold anything against anybody at all you know but i did have a lot of people that just kind of like said the the right and quote unquote like the true things you know um Mm -hmm. and like the thing is like the things that were said were true in large part you know but uh but they didn't help for one if anything they even kind of like turned my heart and not not like in general terms but like kind of embittered towards the let me help like solve this problem type of mentality you know um where had other people that uh were just like yeah i have no idea what to say but i'm just gonna be here you know Um, yeah and that those were the things that stood out because i knew that they knew the truth you know and could have spoken you know like uh what they thought i needed to hear but they knew that all right man no words are actually gonna bring healing right now you know like all i can do is love and if there are opportunities to say something you know um i will but ultimately having the default be love and not an agenda of saying something that i think the person needs to hear in the first place I blew my vocal cords out one time because I was sick and uh, I was performing and I, I was wrecked, you know, and um, I felt great. Like I felt like the Holy Spirit was inside of me and then literally everything that could possibly come out of me was poured out. Like it was so beautiful. And I went to sleep on this unbelievably restful, peaceful night, drinking tea, packing up zombies on Dead Island, sitting in silence with a bunch of friends because I couldn't talk. And it was perfect. And then I woke up the next day and I, Jesus straight up said, don't go to church. And I was like, because I feel like pissed, but oh my gosh, that's a weird thing to hear. And so I like, didn't go to church. Later in the day, I was getting kind of frustrated because like, I, I went to this Vespers thing and it was sweet. And uh, I was like way late at night, like 730. I got a lot of sleep. It was awesome. But uh, I was sitting there and I was like, man, Lord, like I physically like cannot even sing. Like I kind of can, but it's not good for me and I probably shouldn't. But the lady who was preaching came up and the pastor was like, hey, I think it was Elijah. I'm going to be real embarrassed. My Bible knowledge needs way more work than I'd like to admit. But I think it was Elijah. Elijah is like freaking boss and like calls down fire on wet wood. And, and well, calls down fire on wood. But then it's like, you know what? Suck it, Bale. And he like pours water on the wood. Like this is how good my God is, you know? Him. And uh, so like he's just like this like super BA prophet. But then word gets out that Jezebel's trying to kill him. And he like freaks the F out. And like, like this is the dude who literally saw God pour down fire from the sky, right? But then Jezebel's out to kill him, and he freaks the f out and runs away. And it's like, God, why would you do this to me? All this stuff. And the pastor lady was like, Listen, look what God does. God doesn't come down and just answer him. He's not like, Oh, hey, you fool! Like, I'm still me, and I love you. Great job. Pats him on the butt and sends him back. But rather, he like falls into a deep sleep, and then he gets some food. Like and, and like an angel brings him food and then God speaks and the pastor is like listen like God didn't speak because God knew Elijah wasn't ready to listen like first he got him a good night's sleep and a hot meal and there he was to listen and like that's what God had done for me and I, I think it comes back to that like God being sovereign thing like God doesn't just know like what the truth is, but God knows the way that it needs to come to. And a lot of times, like when we have problems, I used to be a major fixer and I think I still am, but Holy Spirit's healed me of it a lot. I would just be like, oh no, you're struggling? Well, listen, buddy, Second Corinthians, uh, Jesus loves the hell out of you and uh, you're gonna be great. But really like sometimes God's like, hey man, 
how about you just like just sit, you know, just sit and be with this person and talk about something unrelated, and then like when their spirit's ready to listen, then I'm gonna speak to them. And and it's hard because we want to like be the fixer or, 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 or see the resolution, bring it to the truth or whatever. But in reality, like Scripture says, one one sows, another waters, but it's God who brings the harvest. So like the Holy Spirit wants us to play our part, not do all of it or be there for the harvest necessarily. There's a huge difference between doing ministry and loving people. I, I honestly feel like uh, ministry is what the Holy Spirit does. It's nothing that we actually do, and it's nothing that we can actually like push forward. And just being there with the person, like you said, like more with those who more rejoice with those who rejoice. Like the Father knows he makes everything beautiful in His timing. And I feel like a lot of us get to the point, myself included, of doing like express ministry. And uh, for me, what personally kind of gets me is the fact that, like, you know, in my impatience, and it's something I've always struggled with, is the fact that I like to see immediate results. Like, for something, because, like, I'm thinking in my head, like, you know, I believe God for this, and he's going to move, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be my faith that triggers it, and it's going to, like, this person's life is going to be all different. I'm going to pray over him. He's going to move. He's going to be sick. And then when it doesn't happen, I'm just like, okay, well, uh, that backfired, so I'm going to go move on to the next thing. Get super passionate about that. But uh, when really God is calling me to be in the moment with the person, speaking the truth over them, like all truthful is always truthful, but sometimes it's not useful. And, you know, the Holy Spirit gives a sermon on, you know, the time to speak, that type of stuff. But moreover, patiently investing time and like and like just little stuff as far as like make yourself available, I feel like will change the trajectory of a person's life just by you investing that amount of time. And being willing to like invest that without not without necessarily like a guaranteed output or seen output, and you know like Christ dies for people that aren't gonna aren't gonna accept him. Like right. Christ puts in the work for everybody all the time. And yeah, even like he could have just come down, tapped the disciples on the head, given them this crazy moment of enlightenment, and then been like, "All right, you guys got it right." Or you know, or like he could have like fast forwarded to the cross, but instead. Like it's what that guy, the "Let God Die" video that that I, that I was in, the the pastor preaching. That was the Holy Spirit because I never met that guy, but it lined up with what I said, and it lined up with stuff that I had in my own heart that I wasn't sure about. But like those periods of submission, like Jesus, <laughs> Jesus just like hung out for thirty years. Like I mean, I'm sure he did stuff, and you know, he was in the temple when he was a kid, and blah blah blah. But like just being man, being a carpenter, chilling with the fam, doing whatever he did, and there's three years of a ministry. Like things take time. Like God, God does things in an instant, but then He also does things in these like massive time periods. Yeah. And I want, I want the faith to do both. You know, to like believe Him in the moment. But then I saw a thing on Instagram today. Like God wants people who are gonna go to war for it every day. Like I'm gonna pray for this every day, whether I see the result or not. I'm just gonna keep going after it if it's the Father's heart for me. He's putting it on my heart. Like just praying for somebody. I one of my early shows is a place called the Scarlet Cord in Western Pennsylvania. And the uh, first time I was there, I met this dude. My friend had been praying for this guy he'd never met literally 15 years before he got saved. But, like, dude just went at it praying for him for 15 years. And, like, I want the faith to invest like that. Like, just go at it because Jesus says to and then know he's faithful, know he's good, know he hears me, and that we can receive all things if we ask in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I think it's only natural to, like, want to see the growth, you know? But just trusting yeah. that whatever part God's calling us to, you know, whether that is just to plant the seed or whether to 
to water it, you know, whatever that <laughs> looks like specifically. Whenever we do see growth, that's just like icing on the cake. And, yeah. um, you know, just trusting that God is good and he's doing good things with our acts of obedience, you know, even if we never yeah. see it. It's just a cool thing he's been showing me, but I'm just a wuss. And like, there's so many days where I'll sin and then ask for forgiveness and still be like, I don't know, God, can you just please show me that you love me? Or just like, hey, God, I'd be really sick. Just like, just please remind me that you love me, like affirm that I'm doing what you want or whatever. And it's cool that like, we don't get to see all the fruit. We don't get to see everything. But like so, countless times all the time, I'm like, hey, God, please remind me that you're with me. Hey, God, please remind me that you love me. Like, hey, God, please rem show me if I'm in your will or if I should do something different. And like he will affirm those things like he's faithful and it's been cool to just ask for that or even just express like hey man i'm not so sure and i don't i don't know i don't feel it i'd love to feel it and then he's faithful like he's a good dad you know you can rest in that and then he's been faithful to show me stuff which is cool because then it builds their faith and like helps me want to keep trusting keep going i've been trying god holy spirit put on my heart um maybe six months ago or so but just like to just pray more openly and like for a long time, like I knew there were negative things, there was sin in my heart, there was flesh, and like I knew they were bad, so I I I didn't want to talk about it because I knew it was bad, I knew I needed to repent of it, and I was like, oh, well, I don't need to waste God's time with this, I already know it's bad. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God's faithful to forgive us, and and I think just like calling out our sin and calling out what hurts, being like, hey man, this is what I see, I don't know, and, and there's just like there's a power, and God already knows everything heart and our mind so it's not like we like he's like shocked like what do you mean chris you don't believe in me like he's not suddenly surprised about that but but when we can call it out and put it out there and like we acknowledge it before jesus like the holy spirit just gets in in a deeper way a different way i don't know but just gets in there deep and is like cool let's work on this like you i'm glad you see it i showed it to you so like let's work on this be honest with the desires of my heart like hey this is what i want and yeah dude like especially for like relationships and like things that I really want being like, Hey God, I think I want this, but I, Jeremiah says the heart's a confusing place. I mean, I don't know, but like, this is what I want. Please shape my desire to what you want. And I like, just being able to put that out in the open and it like transforms your heart, I guess. So the Holy Spirit uses it to transform your heart. Submission, submission. Yeah. I think it's a proof of God's workmanship. The fact that, you know, we're not our own to fix. And the mm -hmm. fact is, uh, like you said in first John one nine, you know, if we are, uh, we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and uh, cleanse us, purge us of all unrighteousness, which, you know, by that, I mean, he does. We do one part. He does, too. In our confession, we acknowledge before God that, you know, we have failed your standard. And at the same time, our hearts are heavy because of the distance that's been placed between you and I before our sin. And at the same time, we go to him with the sin, which is what he commands us to do, because only he has the power to wash us clean from sin. We can't atone. And in that it shows our trust in God's ability to and his sufficiency in Christ to actually forgive us and wash us clean. And he does that. And then in that, he does the work of purging us of all unrighteousness, which he sovereignly works our lives in ways where we're able to see the sin. And now, instead of falling rapidly into it, we begin to build a hate for it. And in that, it pulls our heart closer to God. And we begin more repentance, more obedience, and it kind of like snowballs over time, I guess. It's kind of like what it's been like for me. It's easy to think of it even like, I don't know, like in a relational sense. Like if you were dating someone and you were going behind their back and cheating on them and they knew about it, you know, both both parties know about it. 
but you were just like, well, I know they know, but I'm not going to like confess it to them and actually talk about it. You know, they, they, yeah. they know. And, um, you know, like they're sticking with me, you know, um, <laughs> like, like the confession part, like, isn't just a, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, like it's a confession with the purpose and towards repentance, yeah. you know, and that's, I think that's maybe what we miss a lot of the time. We just think like, well, confess my sins. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. God already knows, you know, or it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's not what confession is. You know, like it's not just saying this is what I've done, you know, like it's, yeah, God, you know, my heart, you know, and I want you to change it. And that, uh, like that ownership of your, your own, your own culpability, I guess, like your part in it is important and acknowledging that is like, Hey, um, you know, I committed this sin and I, I'm sorry. And I claim your blood over it. Kind of like taking your responsibility or admitting, you know, um, even like in the garden, you know, God, God's like, Hey, where are you? It's not like he didn't know where they were. He's freaking God. And then, and I think he says like, what did you do or whatever? And you know, Adam's like, Oh, the, the woman made me do it. But like, God already knew, but there's this important aspect of like having ownership or accountability before God. And then, and then when you have that, like, you know, say, Hey, I accept you, Jesus. I'm sorry. I repent. And then like, yeah, the blood covers you and, uh, yeah, it brings you closer to him. And there's like an importance in that vulnerability, you know, like we're because of the blood of Jesus, God can look at us naked and still love us. And that, that's crazy. You have seen me naked and you still call me. Oh. son. I was so scared that was going to happen. I hate when I, what, I mean, it's affirming because it's the Holy Spirit, but that's in a poem that God gave me to say. I mean, it's great. I quoted myself. Um, I hate it. <laughs> Dude, thanks so much for sitting down with us. And, uh, I don't Thank know. you guys. Yeah. Just for, uh, just for being part of the community here too, you know, and just for, uh, doing your thing, you know? Um, and for like, yeah, just sharing what's on your heart, being real. Appreciate it. Dude, that's the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm so thankful. Uh, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I was like, God, I don't feel like I'm in any place to get to say anything. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit though. It's he's my righteousness. And he's been teaching me that. And yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for making me a part of the community. And yeah, you guys have sowed so much into me as a person and also like what God's given me to do. So like, thank you. And yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, this is one of those things, I wanted to say that earlier, this is one of those things where this is not the Christian thing to do, to go start an organization called Let God Die. And for a while, I was like, I mean, I talked to you about this, Josh, I was like super scared of being a part of this because I was like, oh no, what? churches won't book me anymore if I'm, if I'm associated with this offensively titled organization. <laughs> and this was like, wow, that's stupid and short-sighted and yeah i'm excited about you guys being obedient and like what the holy spirit's doing through you so i believe in what jesus is doing in this obedience is metal <laughs> just to, to end off if anyone wants to check out uh what you're up to or listen to your stuff what should they do uh chrisburnsdorf.bandcamp.com or facebook.com slash chrisburnsdorf or any other social media in the whole world that exists, just Chris Burns store. Uh, everything's completely 100% free on Bandcamp and Noise Trade. Uh, Jesus is free. This is free. Where Where are you looking at uh, as far as like tours coming up and whatnot? I'm uh, going out in the end of February uh, for eight days with two Blood and Ink bands, Comrades and Tiger Wine. Um, they have a really big tour, and it's going through like half the U.S. 
in March, I have some contacting to do, but uh, I'm probably going out once or twice for that as well. And then that's all that's official. But there's stuff in the works for April and prayerfully next fall. And there's stuff in the works in the summer. I don't know. Yeah, lots of lots of things. Uh, Bands in town is great because if you follow me on there, you find out whenever I come close to your house if you check the little box. R- rumor has it you're moving to Michigan. Yeah, it's, it's a rumor that you guys started. <laughs> Uh, I was going to move and then I got home and talked to my parents and been praying and it don't think I'm moving right now. I don't know what's going to happen to that, but I think someday at some point I will not live in my parents' house. I really like my parents a lot. and I think they like me. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good thing. A Jesus thing. I don't earn it. If you want to check out Chris's stuff, definitely search it. Um, me, Chris, and Andrew from Kept on Hold put out a split cassette um, not too long ago, recorded live um, poetry and acoustic live recording, very ghetto. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's on each of our band camps, so if you want to check that out. Um, and we'll put a link to uh, Chris's um, stuff on the description of this page and to the video that he shot with us for Let God Die. Um, and if you have any other requests for Chris Burnsdorf things, you can just message us and we'll lead you in the right direction. Thank you. Really, just check out Jesus at Bible and that'll, <laughs> that'll set you up. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you for everything. Love you, dude. If you want to check out uh, what he has going on, follow the links that he mentioned. And um, he's definitely a live show that you will love seeing. I pretty much guarantee it. That guy, um, for sure, just like just an inspirational person to be around. Like God has definitely moved powerfully through him uh, in my life and conversations we've had. For sure is a person that always kind of inspires me to, you know, practice having God's presence all the time because God is always with us. And, you know, in very simple ways, simple and deep ways, like, you know, he even challenges and encourages me to, like, you know, continue to take my next steps and continue to look foolish in people's eyes to, like, you know, to be a right standing with God in his eyes. So I really dig the fact that he was able to do this podcast and, like, hang out with us for a few. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just want to encourage everyone listening to uh, cling to the fact that God is good. Um, and that his definition of good is far better than ours, but often not better in our current understanding. Um, and he sees the whole picture. So his version of good and his definition of good far exceeds ours. Mm -hmm. Um, and just trusting that he knows best. Um, so I know that's easier said than done, but believe it to be true. If you want to check us out, uh, let God die on Facebook, um, or the website, uh, we have Chris's video up there where he talks about something entirely different, but I love it and would love if you check that out. And uh, if you want to support us, you can click on the support tab on the website. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud, Feedly, or iTunes. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you next week.